the Battle of the Ranking Factors. I am Jess Jordan, and my co-host today is Connor. Today in the world of SEO, we are going to be discussing technical, um, technical overview, audit, whatever you want to call it, we're going to be talking about it. But today is a very special day. Uh, we are excited to welcome our first ever guest, um, Bert Brosek is the howdy. SEO. What? I just said howdy. <laughs> oh, I was... I thought I said it wrong, um, is the SEO training and development manager at Dealer Inspire. Um, and he's going to be joining us today because he's an expert on tech. Bert, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself before we jump in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, and thank you for the wonderful introduction. So my name is Bert. I've been on the uh, SEO team at DI for just shy of four years now, and I actually started here uh, specifically as an SEO technical specialist, um, correcting and working on the technical side of all of our clients' websites. Um, that role has uh, migrated to a SEO strategist and now to the current role of SEO training and development manager uh, with a part-time gig here doing LDM technical site uh, setups. So I'm still very active in the technical uh, site health game for all of our non-auto clients that we get with their custom websites, as well as uh, helping facilitating trainings for technical and uh, technical work on some of our current sites that we have. Awesome. Do you ever get tired of doing technical? I have to ask because it seems like it's a big part of your job. <laughs> uh, personally, I don't. I feel like it's it's a consistently fun, you know, ever progressing game. Uh, <laughs> There's never is never two audits that are exactly the same um, because, you know, with with our current line of work with these automotive sites on our platform, there's you know a vast, you know, changing pieces. So when we're updating and trying to stay on top of things with our platform as we progress, you know, we find new technical issues that could be uh, imperative to SEO in the long run, which obviously you know opens up a door uh, and a little rabbit hole that you have to go down to figure out how to best suit it for our clients and making sure that they're most technically sound and from an SEO perspective. So it does can it can get repetitive, but at the end of the day, it's never really boring because there's new things that pop up all the time. Bert, I got a question. Uh, so before we get into everything else, you mentioned LDM and then uh, DI. So dealer inspire and launch digital marketing. Can you explain the difference between um, technical audits, technical implementation, uh, for the two different styles? Like, are there any differences between LDM and DI? Yeah, uh, so at, at the core boiled down to it, there is a lot of similarities. You know, there's ongoing maintenance and technical like reviews and making sure things are technically sound. But from the DI perspective, um, all of that stuff is pretty much set up for us before we get our hands on it because we have a monstrous DI production team that's putting these sites together. And we are going in and monitoring and making sure uh, for our SEO clients that, you know, we're customizing and optimizing everything from the best technical perspective. Uh, from the LDM side of things, I'm actually the one in there setting up the technical SEO foundation. So that is making sure that the core title and meta are set up from the get go. Uh, making sure that there's schema on the site, making sure that the redirects are put in place, whether it's from the old URL to the new one, uh, domain level, um, making sure that we are rocking a secure site with 
no mixed content issues. So that means everything is linking properly to a secured site. Um, sitemap health, submitting everything through GSC and Bing. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but in theory, it's kind of all the big technical factors that go in to making a site technically sound at launch. That's where I do all of my work on the LDM side. So one is ongoing kind of updates and optimizations and reviews. The other one is complete implementation and setup. So it's it's fun to have both ends. And you know, when you're working on non-auto side, you get to write a lot of fun uh, schema and new schema. So it, it's always a fun challenge to figure out what will best fit you know the business, whether it's a local business, um, you know, whether it's a local organization, like education. Uh, there's obviously a done a couple weird custom schemas for right. all sorts of businesses. So it's fun. There's, there's a, quite a difference, but it keeps you, it keeps you on your toes. I'm sure it's nice to get a break from, um, only doing dealership websites every once in a while too. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a much, um, and I mean, Connor, you, you've heard me say it before that I get very excited when I have an opportunity to <laughs> take a break from the automotive world and just kind of write some, uh, some new work for a non-auto client. Yes, yeah, very much so. Um, okay, so I think we can get into the the meat and potatoes of this then. Um, so Bert, as the technical SEO expert, I would love to hear from you. What do you think, if you're launching a brand new website, uh, really for any industry, any purpose, um, what do you think are the uh, basic, like must have most important technical signals set up to have a successful website? Um, well, this day and age, I think obviously one of the most important things is making sure your site is secure. You want to have a secure website. Um, Google has come out and said it that, you know, this is becoming a more and more important factor. Um, they're starting to make the signals that if you're not secure, even bigger. So you'll get a big, you know, either not secure warning or you'll get an unlocked logo in the corner. They're pointing at that to be more and more important each and every day as, you know, security is uh, becoming more and more important. Mm -hmm. So launching on secure, I think is a big deal. Um, are there any platforms from... that won't like, are there any web hosting platforms that even let you launch as non-secure? Not that I really see anymore, but you still have to make sure your certificates in place and make yeah. sure that everything is, uh, you know, set up correctly. Otherwise, you know, redirects and redirect chains could take place, which ties me directly into another important factor from a technical side is making sure that you know, if you're, if it's a new domain, if it's, um, if it's a new domain coming from an old site or anything like that is making sure that domain level redirects are properly set up, making sure that you're properly passing any authority from an old URL and just making sure that any, you know, formatted URLs from the previous site. So any slugs that may have changed or been updated with the launch of a new site, you want to make sure all of those are passing, um, correctly to the new location on the site. This is something that uh, I spend a lot of time on with our custom websites to uh, ensure that, you know, there is no drop off. So there's no poor user experience that comes through. So when you're on the site, if you find a link, uh, even if it's not so, something that we necessarily built, but it could be an internal link from a previously migrated blog post, we're making sure that that points to the right direction. Uh, so redirects, I think, are a big one, uh, making sure they're all set up properly and providing the best user experience possible. Um, some not necessarily as important ranking factors, but important to 
the site itself is making sure that you have just properly formatted core title and meta for your site. When you're building and launching a new site, obviously you want to make sure that you're going to have something that is visually appealing and also, you know, intriguing to a user to click through. Mm -hmm. um, setting up that core title and meta across the board is just imperative right off the get-go to make sure that, you know, those early on keywords and things that you're focused on within your business or whatever uh, the website may be about uh, is starting to show Google those early on indicators that those are your topics. Um, I think the last big one that I, I usually I, I promote within my, you know, workflow is that schema that we touched on a little bit ago, Yeah. setting up core business schema or whatever the schema may be for the site, even if it's just basic local business or general org schema, establishing what the actual site is about giving any search engine a quick snapshot uh, without necessarily having to crawl the entire page by having that condensed kind of view of what the site is about. It's super important. And I think it, it, it's just proven that it helps, whether it's knowledge panel or anything else. Agreed. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely have to get into uh, schema uh, future episode. We're definitely going to dive deeper on that one. I'm going to say, yeah, schema is a huge hot topic now, too. So, I, you know, learning from you about schemas in terms of setup already is, you know, great. Um, but obviously, you know, you do you look at all these like technical elements and as you're setting it up, it's probably easier. But what type of tools do you prefer to use when looking at like technical elements of a site, whether it's new or an existing site um, that you recommend, you know, other people looking to do their site use? So uh, there's two directions I, I think you can land on here. Um, a little bit easier user experience for less technically sound. I would say SEMrush is a great, has a great technical tool. And it's not even saying it's uh, a basic or entry level tool by any means, but in terms of the way they lay out the technical uh, issues on a site, it gives it a very user friendly and user, uh, like easy user experience to actually identify and possibly even fix the issues because it'll give you definitions, it'll lay everything out kind of give you a severity of the issues. Um, so I would say at any sort of entry level technical, you know, introduction or someone interested running something through SEMrush is a great tool just to see um, and visually kind of comprehend the difficulty of these tasks or how important or imperative they are to fix on your site. Um, if you want to go into the other end of the spectrum, which would be like uh, very plain Jane, but very powerful. I would say Screaming Frog is kind of an industry standard of mm -hmm. um, technical tools where it'll essentially crawl your site from end to end, finding every sort of, you know, broken link, uh, internal redirect, um, crawl paths. Uh, I mean, any sort of error you could possibly imagine from the technical side. It'll document it there. It's not going to lay it out in a pretty form, which is why I started with SEMrush. But once you actually know how to use the tool, um, it's incredibly powerful all the way down to custom extractions to making sure that you're, you can find anything that may be lingering on the site um, to making sure your canonical tags are set up correctly. It'll lay it all out there. Um, and it's a relatively fast tool, which you can kind of scan a site pretty quickly and get the answers you need depending on the size of the site. So those are the two big ones, um, I think. There's a lot of tools out there. Um, 
a lot of semi-free tools, um, you know, obviously Mozbar and uh, there's Ahrefs for like domain authority. There's a lot of other tools that are out there, but I think from the core, when it boils down to, you know, two tools I use frequently, I would say SEMrush and Screaming Frog. Uh, follow up to that. Uh, so you have the the, and those are both paid. Um, you didn't mention GSC when it comes to tech no. audits. Yeah, I I personally think GSC is fine for beginners, like people that aren't you know experienced technical SEO people like yourself. Um, but I think it's also valuable to to use and keep an eye on. How do you incorporate and do you incorporate? search console into um your technical work yeah i actually i use that on every single technical audit that we you uh we complete and that's i mean i guess in my day-to-day -day workflow i just totally overlooked it as a tool since it's something that's just baked into my day-to-day uh, right. -day events but gsc and i mean even bing webmaster tools um are very very helpful and they are very much usable in as part of the technical audit, you're, it'll give you any sort of warnings or errors that may be flagged by Google. Um, it, 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 I use GSC on a day-to-day -day basis just to monitor per, like health. There's also great performing performance metrics in there. So, um, I mean, GSC is always at the forefront of identifying and providing information to its users um about issues that could be coming or are live on the site mm -hmm. um we hear from clients all the time saying that they've gotten some sort of warning or uh, flag from gsc typically they are pretty preemptive they are just trying to identify things that could be future problems um when we look into them at least within our site or our ecosystem of uh our website platform mm -hmm. They're typically not glaringly wrong or issues, um, but it is an incredibly powerful tool to just review and monitor site health for your site. Um, I guess, like I said, I, I it's just something that's so baked into my workflow. I don't even consider it a tool anymore. I just consider it a uh, something I look at every single day. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so you mentioned that you know your DI and LDM are building these sites for clients. And I'm sure that means that clients do work or try to do work on these sites. Um, so I would imagine that creates sometimes more work for you. Uh, what are the most common technical issues or broken things that you see, whether it be from, you know, you know just sites end up breaking things or people uh, doing work on these sites that end up causing things to break? Um, so most common, so I guess, yes, they do obviously cause a lot of issues when they try to do things themselves and necessarily don't understand, uh, basic best practices. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the times you'll see things along the lines of filling in their title tags, um, to be like 120 characters with every city under the sun, mm -hmm. uh, which obviously we advise against we know that we want to stay around that 70 75 character limit we don't need to incorporate seven cities in there and that's on the smaller end of things that's just not really broken it's just kind of gaudy and unnecessary but in terms of broken things a lot of dealers will they don't know how to necessarily form links so they'll 
uh, hyperlink some something in a blog post or in text, and they'll either do uh, an absolute domain, which then potentially can lead to redirects if the domain ever changes, mm -hmm. or they don't form the URL correctly and then you know causing users to click and get the wrong page or um, incorrectly adding redirects. Uh, so they are redirecting pages to the wrong version or the incorrect page. Those are kind of the most common things I would say. Uh, improper use of redirects and you know malformed or broken URLs. Um, and then uh, those are what we're commonly going in and fixing. Also, failing to put in alt text. People will add images to their blogs and they don't add alt text. And in the day and age of accessibility becoming more and more important on a website, mm -hmm. uh, you you want to have quality alt text on these images. And it's it's just something that gets overlooked so often because they're just trying to get a page up. They're trying to get something there. And with no identifying factors on those images, it's it's just a little thing like that that you see quite often. So then when we're talking about like these common issues that you see, I learned how to do tech audits in Screaming Frog. So that was like a lot of Googling, like what the heck does this mean? And, you know, not all tools are like that. Some tools like SEMrush have a more clear explanation of what's wrong and where to look to fix it. But how would you go about fixing some of these common issues? And then also how often I've had people ask me, like, should I do a tech audit every month? And it's kind of like, well, no, you don't have to, um, you know, so what's kind of your thoughts to that? I'm like, how often should you be going in to make fixes to your site? So <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> it's, it's difficult to give a like specific time frame on like how often in theory, you know, if you're setting everything up perfectly and you're the only one touching the site, I, you know, I would say even just a quarterly review, mm -hmm. uh, just to make sure things are, are healthy, uh, making sure that nothing has inappropriately been linked or, you know, something is messed up. Or, but, you know, that could be spread out to even just like annually, like a, a once a year kind of like in-depth technical review. So that's kind of the, I would say at the very least once a year is something that you can probably get by on um, with with no grand concerns because if you're the only one in there and you're the hands-on user on the site, the only thing that could possibly be changing is outside factors like Google changing things or how they may, you know, read something. But, it, you know, in terms of if you're super active on the site and you're constantly posting and you're constantly changing things, you know, to semi-annually, quarterly, I mean, even monthly wouldn't hurt because I guess you could put it down to the fact of the more you are running them, the less issues you are going to identify. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say at the bare minimum, once a year, heavy in-depth technical audit is probably the best way to at least uh, keep your site within a healthy boundaries where there's no, uh, there's no, nothing glaringly wrong on your site. Uh, that would be my recommendation at a bare minimum. And I would imagine that heavily depends too on the industry. Like if you're running an enterprise site that has hundreds of thousands of inventory pages or something like that, you're probably going to employ a whole team that just does technical SEO so they can just keep an eye on your site every single day. Right. Right. 
And I, I think yeah, there's definitely, uh, that's why I said it's kind of a loaded question. Yeah. There's, there's different ways that can, it can be handled. Uh, there's even like kind of, you know, lesser forms of audits. So, so when I say maybe like every once a year doing a full um, in-depth technical audit, but then maybe like once a month, you're just running a scan in the background just to make sure things are like, there's nothing broken or no mm -hmm. links changed or things are redirecting correctly. Um, you know, all of the, <clears throat> all those are things that I think come into play here. And, and to your point, Connor, you know, there's enterprise sites that are hundreds of thousands of pages, um, that they're going to have a dedicated team of, you know, from the SEO side, as well as development side to make yeah. sure that things, they have the proper communications to make sure things are, uh, healthy from that end of the spectrum. So for sure. Um, now it's definitely. Go ahead. I was going to say, it, it just definitely varies from site to site, but I would say at the very least, you want to make sure you're running a full-on technical audit, like I said, once a year for yeah. uh, the normal average site. Makes sense, yeah. Um, now, what is the the best way, in your opinion, to learn technical SEO? It's it's obviously super broad, and, and there's so many elements that go into technical SEO, but to complete that basic, like, I'm going to do a tech audit to make sure that my site is healthy enough and functions well. What is the best way to learn that skill set? Is it just something that you do over and over and over and over, or are there like courses or conferences or whatever that you think are valuable for that? I feel like the best way at the end of the day is to get your hands in there and actually learn every single individual uh, like aspect. And the more you see it, the more you'll start to understand it. Uh, like I opened up our conversation with why I love technical so much is because it is, does tend to be nuanced. Yep. So there seems to be newer or like ongoing issues that arise that no matter what courses or conferences that you, you know, you go to, you'll have maybe a basic understanding of something, but depending on how your website or uh, whatever site you may be working on functions, there could be a new issue that you'll have to dig in and you'll have to research and you'll have to find an answer to. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good reading and a lot of awesome, like, you know, shout out to Moz with their old whiteboard Fridays. And I think they actually still do them mm -hmm. that introduce a lot of basic SEO, uh, technical SEO principle and SEO theory in general. Um, I think that's early on in my career. I watched a lot of them just listening uh, to Fishkin's talk about all of these, things that could have technical implementation or technical uh, uh, impact on your site. And I, I do think those are valuable. I think those are something that, I mean, really any SEO specialist, not just a technical specialist will benefit from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but in terms of learning how to do it, you, it needs to be consistent hands-on uh, and, you know, digging into it and getting into the weeds a little bit, understanding there are some risks <laughs> You know, technical can be pretty uh, risky, I guess, if you mess something mm -hmm. up or if you canonicalize a page to the wrong URL or homepage or things like that, and you potentially lose traffic or even hit the, what I call on WordPress, the death button and no index an entire site. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of risk factors that come into play, but for the most part on the run of like the day-to-day -day technical work, really getting in there. So fixing the broken links, properly setting up redirects, um, things like that, properly, you know, monitoring and editing title and meta tags, things yeah. 
that are pretty uh, normal, those are the ones that really getting into it and seeing and understanding uh, how to fix, I think will really benefit you in the long run. Agreed, yeah. Um, okay, so let's get a little speculative and maybe a tinfoil, put a tinfoil hat on for a second. Uh, there are obviously tech issues that have come and gone when it comes to SEO. Uh, meta keywords is probably the, the, the easiest one to pinpoint where it's something that used to be a ranking factor way back in the day where you just tell Google, this is my keyword. Um, and obviously Google was like, hey, that's easily uh, spammed. Let's stop looking at that. Um, you can still put it on your page. It's not going to do anything. Um, do you have any tech issues in mind that people still care about that don't really matter all that much? Um, maybe crawl errors, something along those lines. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so crawl errors is a big one. Um, but before we go down that one, so you already have some insight there and we'll, we'll have a conversation about that. Uh, I think that spammy backlinks are becoming less and less of a concern for us to disavow. Uh, I think Google and other search engines, and this is again, this is speculative. This is uh, mm -hmm. this is my tinfoil hat moment of this conversation. Um, I don't think that spammy backlinks are as detrimental to a site as they once were a couple of years ago. Yep. It used to be, if you were getting linked to from a garbage site because people were buying these backlink farms, you were gonna get negatively impacted. They were gonna punish you. They were going to potentially, you know, blacklist your site and you weren't going to get any, you know, organic traffic, uh, because, you know, there were people buying these link farms. There were people that were spending money to essentially populate on these directory sites that, you know, are total garbage. And you still see people doing it to this day, which I think is the reason that they are going for a couple of reasons, going the way of meta keywords did, which mm -hmm. is essentially saying, yeah, these are here, these exist. People are still trying to use them we are just giving them zero value. They have nothing to do with your SEO value anymore. Essentially not saying that it hurts you to have them, but it's not going to benefit you by uh, doing anything with them. So in at the end of the day, backlinks are still very, very important. I think obtaining natural organic backlinks from a blog or a post from a reputable website that's linking back to something that you may, may have created is always going to be imperative and important, but the value, the value of the spammy ones are no longer going to be as negatively impacting your site as they once were. So it's not something yeah. that, uh, I, I think is going to be a long-term, uh, st strategy that I think as long as you continue to produce organic and good content, you'll obtain the natural backlinks that'll yeah. be healthy, but, it's also because the disavow files that, you know, everyone five years ago was harping on this, like, just like very important, very dangerous feature that if you went and disavowed the wrong thing, you could be negatively impacting your site. Mm -hmm. You know, Google has upright said it's made its disavow submitting process more difficult to find because they think that it's not as important anymore and they don't want someone to potentially risk disavowing something that is valuable. So, I think that the, because because they are saying that 
in turn, they're also saying that the le these like really spammy, non-existent backlinks from these link farms that people are paying for, they don't have the impact or value that people think they do. It's just kind of a wash like meta keywords. That's kind of my big tinfoil hat SEO thing yeah. of the recent past is that these are the ones that do come naturally and are from natural posts are good. The ones that are people are paying for and spammy just don't, Google can see that. Google can understand, if there's third party tools that can recognize that that link has zero authority, zero internal links, anything like that, if there's third party things that are identifying it for us, that means Google can already recognize that as well. And they're just giving them no value at all. And that's, uh, that's probably the biggest conspiracy and moment I have in our SEO world uh, for the time being. As for crawl errors, just to wrap that up, um, I think it's kind of a similar process. Yeah. I think Google is scanning sites fast enough and efficiently now where these URLs that are falling off, like are falling off essentially. They are not like, if they're not being redirected properly and they're from like an old fragment of an old site, just like any other, you know, properly redirected page, you know, it'll fall off. It won't show up. And that's um, why I, I believe it's more important for crawl errors to focus on core pages. So if you have a core page that may be showing up as a crawl error, yeah, probably something you want to, you know, get fixed, make sure that you're not, you know, leaving the SERPs with a bunch of 404s for, yeah. you know, core pages on your site. But these like tiny fragmented pages that are, you know, not really SEO valuable that have fallen off, whether it's from a migration or, you know, rebuild, anything like that. I don't think that uh, they are super imperative as I think Google and other search engines are recognizing that and they are just falling off over time. Agreed, yeah. So, you know, we have all these tech elements of the past that, you know, Google's kind of, you know, we're theorizing, doesn't really care about anymore, but, you know, we know Google, that just means it's putting its focus elsewhere. Um, so in terms of like future tech things that are coming up, what's going to start to matter? You know, site speed's been a big one. You, especially with this core update, a lot of people are wondering, you know, what are we supposed to be looking for? So, you know, based on your knowledge, what are things that are going to become more important or things that, you know, people in the SEO world should be looking out for when looking at tech audits? Yeah, I, I, I think you, you hit it out of the park with the you know, those core web page vitals being something, you know, Google just gave their six month warning that this is going to actually directly start impacting uh, your sites, just like any other uh, core update or big change. Uh, I web like page speed has always been a factor. I feel like it's always been up there as an important factor. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be weighed a little bit heavier now, but I, I do believe um, there are some, you know, well, there's some asterisks there in the side of SEO and technical SEO. That being said, there's a amount of things that we can do specifically as SEO specialists um, that can help negate any sort of page speed on our end. Obviously, there's a lot of other factors that we may not control as not being developers, uh, whether it's scripts on the site, chatbots, third-party things that you know are implemented at our client's request that are always going to potentially impact page speed. Mm -hmm. um, but as long as you as an SEO specialist or we and our team uh, commonly do is put in place best practices like 
making sure that you're using a relative domain as not an absolute domain, preventing any unnecessary redirects. You know, SEMrush has always had a, 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 a to notice, so technically like doesn't necessarily have impact, but want you to know that it exists of um, 301 redirects on the site. 301 redirects are perfectly healthy. They are set up in place mm -hmm. for a reason to direct users to the proper location. When we're going through and cleaning up our content or updating or re-optimizing, by updating any link that may just be have become a redirect because of an old page falling off or something like that, by updating that to a proper link, you know, we're dropping one more redirect. That is one more area that we are potentially shaving off some page speed issues because there's no more redirects taking place to get there. And that's something that I feel like as an SEO specialist, you can actively do is going through and actually making sure that the number of just 301s internally on your site are skimmed down. And again, I'm not saying that it's negative to have 301 redirects. Yeah. It is perfectly healthy and we set our sites up to have things like that on purpose to properly land users where they need to go. Um, but just in terms of how we can help with these, the way that, you know, big tech changes are coming, which is weighing page speed heavier by making sure that you're putting in best practices early on, which is something I know within our team, uh, we've always stressed and within the training, uh, the development of our specialists to ongoing learning is making sure that those best practices are in place that should in theory help you, you know, prevent any detrimental issues that come out of these big changes, which the core web page vitals being one that, you know, a lot of people are up in arms and they're scared that it's going to impact. Um, but I think that if you continue to employ best practices on your site, you should be for the most part saved. And that's, uh, again, theory, but yeah. that's kind of how we've seen the trend go. As long as you're staying with quality content, best practices, staying on top of the health of your site, we're not seeing dramatic changes to our clients because of that. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the core web page vitals is going to be the biggest shakeup. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it really does impact any of our, our clients, non-auto or auto. Um, but I think that's where I think a lot of the technical SEO world is focused on right now. I don't really know of any other big changes that could be taking place from a technical side of things, but you know, who knows, Google may just randomly update the meta length again to 350 characters. And then people are going to be like filling it with a bunch of stuff. And then it's gonna be like, psych, we're going to go back down to like 170. Sorry. That was like, a fun they, week when they did that. That was, like, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like they, they, we don't know if they're going to end up announcing something like that. Maybe your title tag will finally be, they'll show up to a hundred characters, which will look ridiculous, but you know, the SERPs are ever changing. There's always, um, opportunity for a little surprise from Google to show up. And uh, that's what our job as SEO specialists and, you know, is to stay on top of and make sure that we're, uh, really, you know, keeping an eye out for the future and the changes to come. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I have two final questions. Uh, one was the Google BERT update named after you? Yes or no? Um, I like to assume yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I assume so. I just want to make sure. Uh, two, uh, and this is specifically for some SEO friends in the industry. What is a soft 404? Oh, you are just worse. <laughs> um, this is like my least favorite technical SEO question ever because it sounds like you're a crazy person trying to answer it. Yep. 
Um, because if I pull up the textbook definition of a soft 404, so please hold while I pull up the textbook definition. <laughs> because even reading the textbook of what uh -huh. this means, it uh, makes no sense. It is, sounds like I am mumbo jumboing what it is. A soft 404 is a URL that returns a page telling the user the page does not exist, but is also granting the user a 200 uh, <laughs> success code. So in theory, it's saying this page is successful. A 200 mm -hmm. level code is saying that it loaded 100% correct, but it's telling the user that the page doesn't exist. Again, it sounds like some weird, wild conspiracy theory of something that exists, but the best way I like to surmise it is that a very low volumed content page, literally maybe possibly no content, mm -hmm. uh, blank title and meta um, that hasn't been updated in a very long time. Every time Google crawls it, Google's going to start thinking that maybe that page is broken and they might return it as a soft 404 because they're saying, hey, this page has no content on it. It has no real value. I'm getting a two, like a 200 here. I'm getting a successful code, but there's nothing here to tell me that this is a valuable page. So I am going to just flag this as a soft 404. Commonly, an easy way to at least update or make that soft 404 stop showing up within Google Search Console, updating the title and meta on that page, or even just giving a quick update to the content. A lot of the times we see it on like iframed pages, so pages yep. that'll have like a form or something like that in there with limited to no content. Um, but I think the easiest way that I've seen it at least validate through GSC, because sometimes you can even validate it without making any changes and it'll fall off. But updating that title and meta to a quick refresh of what the topic of the page is um, sometimes will help. I, I saw 404s are going to be the bane of my existence for the lifetime I spend in SEO. But that's the best <laughs> I got on soft 404s. I hope that helps. That 100% does. Well, thank you so much, Bert, for coming on today and taking time out of your day to talk to us about technical SEO. Um, we really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get to, you know, have you on again in the future sometime. Um, and to all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening to Battle of the Ranking Factors. As always, please like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Battle of Ranking Factors. And then tune in next time as we discuss internal linking and site structure. Uh, if you have any topics that you want to discuss, please comment and let us know. For, for Connor, I am Jess. See you next time. Thank you.